All right, welcome back everyone to Southern Scrap Nation's podcast. Your host, as always, Daniel Jonas, here on Monday, August 17th, 2020. It is 10 o'clock here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and sunny. It's a sunny day. It's a good day. Good Monday. Um, Hope you all enjoyed the weekend. Hope you all enjoyed the fights this past weekend. There were quite a few as far as on the UFC 252 card. Um, We'll get into all that and more, as well as uh, the news from this past weekend. There's been some fight announcements, and they, you know... you know, made some fights, they certified some fights to be real when we, you know, had a verbal contracts or whatever, or verbal agreements. So getting into it, before we do, though, go to sunscrapnation.com, go to iTunes, please subscribe to the podcast, please write a review. The more of those we get, the bigger it gets, and the easier it gets for me to do these, as well as uh, making it better, maybe even doing videos, doing a Patreon, where we do like videos and more with like with like screenshots and stuff, and I don't know, we'll figure it out. That being said, in the housing market right now, I'm looking to buy a house, so I'll have a office space and be able to do it big, regardless. Oh man, um, and then we'll have my own gym. So if you're in the Charlotte area, definitely hit me up and I'll be putting something together and we'll be I'll be doing training, I'll be doing coaching, I'll be doing a rental space if you just want to come with a friend and train and rent it for an hour, come use it. I'm there. And it's all clean. It's your own private place, so make sure if you're in the Charlotte area to hit me up because and I'll probably get weights and stuff in there. When I mean weights, I mean like kettlebells and stuff. Not get crazy. I don't have like a whole setup. But off kettlebells, I have like all that kind of cool stuff. But yeah, should be fun. And as far as the pay, as far as the podcast listeners, the more I do, I can probably turn the office into an actual podcasting space and do videos and da 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 da. So big things to come. But that's not why you all are here. You're not here to hear about that. You're here to hear about the fights this past weekend and what comes of them. So as far as any standout performances, Chris Dawkins with his KO in the early prelims, that was actually a really good knockout. Chris Dawkins is the brother of other UFC fighter, Dawkins, who had his debut Suffered a loss, but his brother seems to be uh, awesome at the hands. His hands were awesome. They were crisp. They knocked Parker Porter down pretty fast as far as timing, too. He threw a knee at the right time. I don't know. It was just a beautiful knockout at heavyweight. Crisp, fast, accurate. don't see a lot of that, so that was cool. Um, And then the prelims were pretty. eh, Danny Chavez... Nice performance. Virana Jandiroba. Awesome performance for her, getting the armbar on Felice Herring in the first round pretty early on. And, yeah, that's about it. Main cards mostly where all the cool stuff happened. So, in the main card, it started off with John Dotson versus Marab Dezvajfili. 
And it was a back and forth, kind of frustrating fight. John Dodson had had the right, had his right hand primed and ready the whole entire time. It was unleashing great counter strikes and had Marab on the back foot. And, you know, Marab shot for like 20 takedowns and could only get two. So as far as what John Dodson was doing, it was working perfect. The problem was the pace. Being a former flyweight, it's kind of frustrating to watch a guy throw one strike when he's got, he's clearly faster. I mean, he even said prior to the fight, like, his I'm a problem for a guy like Marab because I'm too fast. Right, but you have to be too fast. And obviously, he was too fast at the takedowns. Granted, awesome. But def- defense, is, defense is its own reward right there's no that's why the that's why the sentiment make a miss make them pay is relevant and it's a metaphor and whatever not a metaphor but you know what i mean like phrasing saying um because when you don't make them miss or if you don't make them pay for missing they're gonna still they're still gonna throw it so a good example A good example is TJ versus Cody Gargarath. Cody, or TJ was throwing kicks at him, and Cody was just parrying him. In between rounds, Cody sat down, or TJ sat down, and Dwayne said, he's not making you pay for your kicks, so just throw them. And then eventually, one of them hit. One of them lopped Cody upside the head, and that was the end of the beginning of the end. Even in when I was... When you train Muay Thai in Thailand, if you have a Thai coach or whatever, if you're you know training it with a Thai-focused person, every time you parry, immediate leg kick, immediate head kick, immediate body kick. You throw a kick for kick. The Thai style is very kick for kick. Even in boxing, when you slip a punch, you're supposed to come over with a punch. It's the mechanics that makes the punch stronger because you load up on the opposite side. So before I get into a tangent about this, John Dotson... Every time he made a miss on the takedowns, he would run away. He would get away. What he could have done is stayed on and pressured him, put punches, punched his face a couple times for making a miss. Every time Rob missed miss punches, counter. But there was one thing that I did take away from this fight, and congrats to Marab, and, I mean, fucking, this dude's killing it right now in the UFC. Um, I mean, he's on a two, three-fight winning streak now. Four fight, five five fight winning streak. So only up for there. Uh, you know, Sean O'Malley versus Marab's not a bad idea. Um. So, but what I did take away from this fight was Marab for the th- first three rounds or first two rounds was focused heavily on taking an opponent down and holding them down. And that's a very, like, wrestling mentality thing. It's, I mean, it's just grappling mentality when you pick some up to establish dominance in the position and then start working your punching or your submission or whatever. But if you have someone like John Dodson or an Israel Adesanya or one of those, you know, one of those fighters that's just Michael Bisbing almost too, uh, that is just impossible to hold down, why not weaponize the takedown almost in the way that DC does where he high crotches and slams but instead of worrying about 
the smothering position of like holding them down after you do it, if they're very scrambly and they, they refuse to be held down, why not Jessica Andrade rose it and then just focus on slamming them down? Not like pile driving them, but just a slam every time. You know, slamming every time is it takes some cardio out, getting back up, and then being there to instead of hold them down, punch them in the face. I think weaponizing the takedown in a way where you got to like world star hip hop fight video them instead of trying to focus on the wrestling dominance of a takedown, focus on the damage a takedown can create. I mean, you saw a takedown in the Tuesday Night Contender series where a guy went for a uh, lift and dropped a guy, and the guy posted out on his arm and dislocated his shoulder. Now, the ref sees it. It's an automatic end of the fight. You win TKO because there's a ref there. But it's the same as going for, like, a submission. Like, if, obviously, this is all in contingent if your wrestling is good enough, if you can lift somebody and slam them. Worry about slamming rather than the takedown. Anyway, that's my food for thought. Um, so then in the featherweight division, we had up-and-coming prospect Herbert Burns versus Daniel Pineda. Herbert Burns, I mean, he was on a winning streak, knocked out Landwehr with a nice knee up the middle, highlight reel, and then he submitted Evan Dunham and showed his jiu-jitsu, showed his Burns jiu-jitsu. Daniel Pineda, though, I mean, this guy has all finishes in twenty in like over forty fights. All of his wins are finishes. He's got twenty seven wins, um, and he came back to the UFC after like a six year layoff. And man, he just showed up. Herbert Burns missed weight. Um, Daniel Pineda just—I mean, Herbert Burns was just the more. He was. I mean, he's te- technically the. He was technically the better guy. But Daniel Pineda's a veteran. He came in there, and he was professional. He showed the reason why he deserved to be back, and he put on a clinic. He punched the jiu-jitsu guy, so the jiu-jitsu guy couldn't do jiu-jitsu things until he just, you know, TKO'd him and got him into the got him into crucifix, which isn't really a jiu-jitsu position unless you train with my coach. Um... So, so, you know, you know, you know. All right. And then the heavyweight division, we had, was I going to say something about that fight? Nah, bug it. Yeah, there ain't nothing there. In the heavyweight division, we had Junior Dos Santos versus Jarzinho Rosenstrike. So this is a fight between teammates. Junior even asked Jarzinho to spar him before the fight earlier on the week, and Jarzinho's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm okay, man. Um, it's fair. But Jarzinho getting the TKO, KO in the second round. Um, I mean, not much to say about this. I did rewatch the Jarzinho versus Nganu fight, and I did have to say that, that Jarzinho was like just an inch away from Nganu's chin. And he was throwing... It was a crisp combination. It was the more technical combination. Just Nganu does such unorthodox technical things that his chin was just out of the way. 
by an inch. Like, that's all that Jarzinho, it just, he missed it by an inch. Where when he fought Junior, Junior plays a more technical game. Junior tried to throw the kicks. And, I, and before this fight, I was even thinking, you know, Junior beat a former K1 champion with a spinning heel kick. He beat Mark Hunt with a spinning heel kick. And Mark Hunt, I mean, he isn't the same, I would say, that Jarzinho is like phenomenally better than Mark Hunt in MMA. But, you know, same kind of background, heavy, heavy kickboxing background comes to MMA and starches guys. Junior beats a high-level kickboxer with a spinning heel kick because it's just not what you would expect as the kickboxer. You'd be like, okay, well, he's going to come in here and try to take me down, jab me, and then try to take me down. And Junior's like, no, I'm just going to be a very heavy kickboxer. I'm going to mess with your mind and test my skills. And Jarzinho was like, okay. But, I mean, Jarzinho's huge, man. Uh, I want me to rewatch it, to be honest. The JDS versus Jarzinho got overshadowed by um, to me got overshadowed by the the DC fight just because that that was phenomenal. All right, so they come out. Yeah, so in the first round. Junior was hitting that that overhand too, like his overhand cross. I mean, Junior's boxing is really good, especially for. But what happened was, Jarzinho let him throw the overhand too because he was trying to counter him. I'm trying to see what he was countering him with, because he tries to counter always with the with the left hook, the check hook. So this, so when it comes to the second round, and he almost has him hurt, or he had him hurt. I mean, the groin kicks were the fucking the dick kicks for everybody in that whole fight or in that whole card. Okay, so second round. Da, 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 da. Okay, so let's see. So. Okay, 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 okay. So Jorzinho eats a. I'm going to slow this down. So Jorzinho eats a left, a left hook. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. In order to throw a shovel punch, which a shovel punch is just an up is just like an uppercut with your with your lead hand but instead of really using your hip rotation to throw it you're kind of throwing a jab just at like a rock'em sock'em robot angle where it's mostly from the elbow and it's mostly to break the guard to come over with the two or the hook so as he pressures junior to the cage junior has a very educated jab and uses his jab. So he jabs, and as Rosenstrike comes in to, th to throw the two, Junior wants to use his check hook, right? He's trying to use the check hook to make sure he can pivot off and miss Jarzinho's left hand 
or his right hand or his overhand, right? He's trying to throw his right hook. Junior, thinking he's going to throw the right hook, throws his left to get himself off the cage. Jorginho fakes it, eats the left hook to throw, which allows him to then slip off to the left a little bit and take a little bit off of the steam off the left hook to throw that shovel punch to, to place and to set a line to throw his right hand at Junior's chin. Uh, a concept I've been working with some of the fighters I've been doing pad work with. Um, if I keep my glove on your face or if I put my glove on your face, I know exactly where to punch. If I just try to measure it by touching air, I'm probably going to miss. But if I can, I can guarantee I'm going to hit you if I put my hand on your, on your chin. So Jarzino uses that opportunity to fake the cross, come up, stun Junior with the left, or with the left uppercut, left shovel punch, and then steps forward, which is kind of cool. He switches to cut Junior off and make sure the right hand now turns into a check hook of itself in the southpaw position and comes right over the guard. It's sneaky stuff. It's sneaky stuff. I mean, he's a big dude. So when it comes to setting up that tricky footwork, which is very ATT, he steps, he steps off the line. So the left hook hits him, but he's kind of off the line of where Junior was judging his chin was going to be. And Jarzinho's in full, yeah, he can see down the line, see down Junior's ear. If you can see down their ear, you can definitely knock him out. And he steps forward to make sure Junior can't escape. It was awesome. Awesome knockout. Um, I mean, he. I mean, the only person he lost to is Ngannou. That's a very Curtis Blades thing. I think Jarzinho versus Derek Lewis is the fight to make. Or, Jer- or Jarzinho versus... Curtis Blades. Right? Yeah. Yeah. One of those two. All right. And then in the co-main event, which, uh, shout out to all these fights for having groin kicks. Uh, the main co-main event, we had a fight between Marlon Vera versus Sean O'Malley. It ended... I mean, Marlon Vera takes the win. Which... I don't know. You listen to my podcasts. I hope some of you at least bet on Marlon and Stipe. Please. They were both underdogs, and I'm just here trying to make you all money. Um, I said Marlon was going to be a fucking problem. I said this is a strange fight for Sean if you want that hype train to roll on because Marlon Vera ain't no joke. Cheeto's, uh, I mean, he's he's battle-tested. He's, he. He went to a decision with Song Yadong, who was on a hype train himself, and most people thought he was robbed in that competition, which means, to me, he's in the top 10. He's the top 10-level bantamweight. I don't know if Sean O'Malley is a top 10-level bantamweight. Might be a top 15. But Marlon Vera uh, employed a nice defensive kicking game. I've seen a lot of videos kind of showing where and why Sean's leg messed up. So what we got fight night was Sean's leg got messed up. We see it roll, and everyone's like, whoa, he's, like, limping on it. I wonder what happened. Did he break his foot? Da-da-da-da-da. 
Then it shows a video of him switching, doing like a switch stance, like level change switch stance, fancy footwork stuff. And he rolls on the ankle and he goes over it, which could have caused the majority of the damage. But it isn't the cause. And then I saw another video where Marlon Vera. Oh, and then let's let's skip back a little bit. And then Marlon talks about what happened in the fight. And they ask what happened to his foot. And Marlon goes, I don't know, man. He throws a lot of kicks. It's possible that he broke his foot in sparring and brought it into the fight and just got hurt and or whatever. Like, he throws a lot of kicks, and so does Marlon. He's like, I throw a lot of kicks, too. Like, I go into fights with my feet hurt all the time, um, which is fair. My feet hurt majority of the time, too. Uh, I've had to swell my foot down from a balloon in, like, 24 hours. Um, that being said... So I understand, I get it, but this wasn't one of those cases. His foot was inadvertently rolling and seemed like it was dead, like the nerves weren't firing off. So detective hat on, Um, there's a video of Marlon Vera kicking behind the knee of Sean O'Malley, and if anyone knows, that's the same kick that Michael Chandler and Henry Cejudo suffered from Sean, or from, from DJ and Brent Primus. I per- I think, obviously, that's what it was. Um, at first, I thought it was a check, that he just, like, checked the... Marlon checked the kick right. But there you go. I, I It's that nerve. It, you hit that nerve behind the back of the knee, and the whole foot goes numb. It goes nummy-numb. And uh, it only lasts a little bit. Henry Cejudo, obviously, when he suffered from it from DJ, he survived it. And he won the title that night. It's sneaky. Um, I mean, Henry already commented on, like, that happened to me twice that night and I survived. Like some peop- And then Cody's like, some people aren't meant for war. Um, Marlon Vera, I mean, what more can I say? He And... About the stoppage, would it have been stopped even if he had a bad foot? If he got to that position, got on top of him and elbowed him and then hit him or hit him with the right hand, then elbowed him, would it have been stopped then regardless? Like, I don't know. But I only have good things to say about Marlon Vera. I like the guy. I like, uh, I mean, he's on a roll right now. He definitely deserves a top 10 guy. Um, yeah. So, anyway, uh, I mean, I mean, when you look at, I mean, his life is crazy. He came from a village in Ecuador. Like, I don't know about any of you, but there's heavy violence in Ecuador. Like, it's not a safe place to go. Like, it's not luxury resort Ecuador. Like, uh, like that's hard living. And he came from there, and uh. No, he's not wrong. He's got immigrant mentality. He's got a family to feed. Like, he's got things to do. And a little bit of cash and a little bit of hype ain't going to stop him. Yeah, he was on the Ultimate Fighter Latin America. Chone. Ecuador. Yeah, man.
see here in the Wikipedia, a lower leg injury after having a leg kick checked by Vera. Nah. No, he kicked that leg. Also, uh, give me one second. Sorry about that, folks. I thought my dog was locked in the room or something and was whining. Turns out it's not my dog. Some other dog is whining. Sorry about that. Anyway, so Marlon Vero, shout out to him. Um, let's move on to the heavyweight main event because we still got that to talk about and then a couple of the fight, fight announcements. So, Stipe versus Daniel Cormier. Two, I don't understand how Stipe was coming in as the favor or as the underdog, slight underdog, but still underdog, because he, uh, I mean, he's the champ, um, and he beat Daniel before, um, and, and so I I didn't understand that, but whatever, uh, good for the people that listen to my podcast and want to bet on things because Stipe won. He won in a five round decision. Obviously, the. Obviously, the the eye poke was significant. I'm not going to take away from that eye poke in, I think, the third round. or Yeah, third round. However, I mean, it was a back-and-forth fight. It was fun, interesting. Uh, let's see. I'm going to put on the highlights. Um, it, it, I mean, to me, it just shows, it just shows to me that Stipe, he's he's better he he's better than DC is, and I think he he showed that after these two after the two fights. I think that first fight kind of was a fluke. It was just like the perfect punch. Uh, it landed perfectly because DC was landing that same shot over and over again, and could, couldn't put him away this time, knowing it was there. So DC didn't really have much to offer to him, but like the wrestling. And then when Stipe employed his, uh, when Stipe employed his footwork, DC had a real hard time tracking him and hard time. Hold on, I'm sorry, I'm trying to find a, trying to find a highlight video. Anyway, so I think he just had like a real hot, hard time. Uh, tracking him and, uh, you know, getting his wrestling off when his footwork was going. He showed that in the first round, so I gave the first round Stipe. Which he got a groin kick and a groin kick and a eye poke. He went back to the body. Second round was DC's round. He came over, uses he came over, would fake the takedown to come up and grab the head. Like I said, you get you get your hand on the back of their head, you can definitely throw the right hand the right punch and hits him with the right hand. Um oh wait, uh no. It was Stipe's round because Stipe hurt DC and had a mountain. It was the first round. Did you see it the first round? Because he, like, hits him with the right hand, and I think it wobbles him, if I'm not wrong. I 
At least I thought it did. Maybe I'm missing that. Anyway, third round was all Cormier. And it was because Stipe was going off the line and doing had better that better footwork. And then um, he was wise on DC's right hand, so then he would trap it and trap DC along the cage. And I think obviously the obviously the eye poke did significant stuff for DC, and you know it's just I know it's hard. I know people love DC, and I and they want him to win. But Stipe is arguably the goat. Uh, before even the fight started, they showed the level of competition Stipe's fought. You see some of the guys that he's finished, and you go, "My God!" You forget ground and pounding Alistair over him, knocking out uh, Verdum going backwards. Um, beating Nganu. You know, these are these guys, they may not be legends like the Dan Hendersons, I mean, for Dumas, uh, or an Alistair Overham is. Um, and he knocked out JDS. Um, or, you know, Anderson Silva or whatever. But these guys are dangerous. They're giants. Stipe knocked them out, imposed his will. So when Daniel Cormier comes up and he knocks him out one time, after the Nganu fight, which and a shot that he definitely didn't see coming, and then he gets wary of it, and then you give him two more fights. Um, that's why I thought in this in the second in the second fight you're just, you're making it easier for Stipe because if you finished him in the last fight and DC finished him one time, and DC's like, well, that's the only way I know how to finish him, and then Stipe's like, okay, then I got after that. And so now DC is like, well, now I have to protect my body, but maybe I can still get the right hand. But now Stipe is aware that the body shots hurt him, and he realizes that Daniel Cormier's only weapon is that right hand. So as soon as he nullified that and attacked the body, Stipe is now up. In like tactically, it makes more sense. Like he ca- he cancels out DC's attacks now, and everyone's like, what about DC's wrestling? Kind of got nullified, didn't it? Steep is not a bad wrestler. He also had the he used the takedown or he used the guillotine to try to end up and yeah the the front headlock caused problems but it wasn't a you know as soon as it, it was more like zapping of energy than it was being used to submit him. Anyway, the underhooks against the cage, the the using the frame using the frame to using Stipe's frame, like pushing on the, pushing on the right elbow to make sure that he can't throw the, throw the right hand over the top and clip him all the time. I mean, there's not much more to talk about technically in this fight. So what does that mean? Okay. Well, DC loses and it's sad. Everyone's like, Oh, poor guy. He should have won. I mean, this guy's got the best career. Even after his two rivals. John Jones, he ain't doing shit after being a champion. Like, he'll he'll make money off of being John Jones 
and going and doing appearances and putting his name on things. But that's what you get for being a champion. No one wants a a, a commit like a convicted criminal to do anything or be the face of like big things anymore. He's a he's a you know he's a he's not reliable. He's a liability if anything. Stipe, I mean, I don't think he really cares about that kind of stuff. He's never been one for cameras and never been one for like doing anything extra outside of the UFC. I think he just likes being a firefighter and being the heavyweight champion and representing Ohio. DC's the best commentator in the game. He's the new commentator for the video game. They ask him to do everything. He's got his own wrestling thing with kids. John Jones ain't doing any wrestling things with kids. Um, Stipe only cares about his kid. And DC gives back. He's got a wonderful team. He's a great coach. He's got, he's the champion. He won life. Yeah, he may not hold the belt, and he has held the belt twice. He definitely does get to call himself champ champ. Even John Jones isn't champ champ. And I know it's disappointing. He wanted to win on top. He did win on top. He's got an awesome family. He's got friends. He's got programs. He's got everything behind him, even though he lost. It's not a knock on his career. He can still play the video of him knocking Stipe out. He still did it. DC's the role model. DC will always be around and will always have a good job, and people want him. People want him to be a motivational speaker. If I'm to choose between the three of them, John Jones, Stipe, and DC, who come and speak at this corporate event as a motivational speaker, picking DC. Is Stipe the go- and now we can talk about Stipe. Also, DC had an amazing career. Let's not forget that. Um, it sucks, though. It sucks when you know you're second best at everything in competition and you're so competitive. He's competitive, but he's the second best. And it's not... And it's not because he's not the best. It's not because he's not the like amazing. It's because there's three guys in his career that just so happen to be the goats of their division, and you know, it's their it was their time. John Jones, arguably undefeated, except for that one fight with Matt Hamill, which whatever, okay. And then you have Stipe. You look at all the people Stipe beat. And you tell me he's not the fucking goat of the heavyweight division. Daniel Cormier twice. Francis Ngannou. When no one else is being Francis Ngannou. Junior Dos Santos. Who's still where he's at in the... I mean, he got knocked down his last fight, but he's still... You know? Alistair Overeem. One of the scariest dudes in the world. Fabricio Verdum, former UFC champion. Andre Lofsky, former UFC champion. Mark Hunt. Junior Dos Santos. Or, uh, not Junior Dos Santos. Fabio Maldonado, Gabriel Gonzaga, Roy Nelson. Yeah. I mean, people want to give it to Kane, and that's fair or whatever, but Kane didn't defend it as many times as Stipe did. Now, going forward, how do I think... Stipe fares against the next people in the division. 
I think he might still have Ngannou's number. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, Curtis Blades is going to be a real big problem because Curtis Blades is finding out how to punch and kick and do all the striking part. Um, Jarzinho is getting to be a problem, but that wrestling is going to be an obvious advantage for Stipe. So I don't know how much longer... Steep is 20 and 3. Uh, I don't know if this is the end of this era of, you know, champions and this trilogy. Is the, I mean, the trilogy puts a lot on you, too. So we'll see. We'll see if, you know, obviously Daniel retired. So anyway, congrats to Stipe. I think it's awesome. Uh, next weekend, we got a fight card. This weekend, we got a fight card at UFC Apex. Frankie Edgar versus Pedro Munoz. And some other fights. Joe, Joe's Joe Slucky's fighting my card with Austin Hubbard. And the Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa fight has been announced. That will be December twenty or September twenty sixth. Go to some events that have been announced. Uh, okay, so fights that have been announced. Anthony Smith versus Alexander Rakic. That's a awesome fight. I think Alexander Rakic's super dangerous, though. Ed Herman versus Gerald Merchart got rebooked. Donald Cerrone versus Nico Price. I'm sorry, everyone. I thought it was going to be Donald Cerrone versus that GMF, GMF guy. Turns out it's against Nico Price. Which, cool. Charles Oliveira versus Benil Dariush. Damn, that's going to be tr- oh, Damn. Uh, Charles Oliveira looking phenomenal. And so has De- Benil looking great recently. But I don't know. I don't know. Charles Oliveira. He's probably in that title range. I don't know why he's fighting Benil. But, mm. And then Ian Heinrich versus Brendan Allen. It's a good fight. Damn it. Just announce it, Michael Chandler. He's throwing hints that he's coming to the UFC. Just announce where you're going. I think the worst part is all these guys have to quarantine for like two weeks or something before seeing their kids. All right. Um, what's his name? Uh, Mark Goddard says, sorry, it was his bad about the eye poke. Oh, Edson Barbosa versus Sadiq Youssef in the works. That was one that I thought I saw. And Holly Holm versus Irene Aldana was rebooked for UFC October 3rd. And Dana White is interested to meet Michael Chandler. So maybe he comes over, which would be cool. All right. Well, that's all I have. Uh, I'll be back later this week to talk about the fights this weekend. 
So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the fights this past weekend. Make sure to go and check SouthernScrapNation.com, especially if you're interested and in the area for a place to train. Hit me up. Um, everything else, SouthernScrapNation.com. You can go on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, and all your other listening apps. Please subscribe and write a review, if you will. Um, and you can check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and all those other places. All right. Thank you so much. Once again, SouthernScrapNation.com. It's been a pleasure. Until next time, stay safe. Peace.